All right. Well, good morning. Ah, you knew better than that. Good morning. We are so glad that you are with us today. I know there are like eight zillion churches you could go to, and you've chosen to come and worship with us today on this very special Sunday. Thank you very much for doing that. And our honest prayer is, of course, that Jesus will be made big, that we'll worship him in spirit and in truth, but also that you'll leave here today with something to change your life, something that will impact your life. I want you to know this is a safe place. This is a safe place. This is a place where we come and share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hopefully are going to do that in a huge way uh, this afternoon as we welcome the community into our facility and serve lunch this afternoon. So we're just really, really glad um, that you are here today. And the incredible news, and this is really important. You know, I I snuck out and went to the restroom, you know, during the welcome time. I thought you need to know that. Um, and, and so I, you know, I, I'm washing my hands. You need, probably need to know that too. And, and so then this little, little friend of mine, one of my young friends goes, brother Dwayne, are you going to preach shorter today? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think so, dude. I think so. Don't know for sure, but I think so. So the good news is I'm planning on preaching 10 minutes today. All right. I know you can't believe that. In fact, April Fools! <laughs> Not gonna happen, baby. Not gonna happen. But anyway, we are like that. We are planning just a little bit short message today. But you know, it's so funny because it's so appropriate that April Fools' Day falls on Easter, because the greatest practical joke in the world was what Jesus did on death. I mean, you know, like it was the end, and whoops, it's not the end. April Fool's, you know, it's not. And listen, we do have something for you today to kind of remind you of what uh, actually this Holy Week is about. Uh, Nancy, would you throw up that picture of that nail for me? Uh, this is a nail. It's about an inch long, and I want you to see it up there. Um, they'll be at both doors. It's called a cut nail. It's called a cut nail. Um, it's an old style. It was used back in the early days. And, of course, these are reproductions. But they're used in the old days, building barns and, well, building houses, building anything. But you'll notice that the point is gone. And, um, obviously, the, the nail represents, helps us remember, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, the fact that the point is gone reminds us, don't miss the point of Easter, and that is, he lives. He lives. So there'll be plenty of those back at the doors and also the welcome desk for you this morning. Please get you one. Uh, someone needs to drill a hole in this dude, put a circle on it, and make a necklace out of it because it'd be a great conversation starter. It really is. You'll see it's a sharp-looking nail. No pun intended. Uh, sharp-looking nail. It really, really is. So anyway, so so here we are today on April Fool Day. We're celebrating Easter. And there's a song that we're going to sing at the end of the service. We've been building our sermons around the oh, last five or six weeks on the song uh, in Christ alone. You heard the words to this week's verse in there. You know, there in the ground his body lay. Uh, yeah, throw that up. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day... Uh, up from the grave, he arose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. It's a real powerful song. And we're going to end the service today with another powerful song. And the, and the first line is just huge. Here's what it says. It's called, When Death Was Arrested. You'll hear it at the end of the service. It says this, Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross... Darkness rejoiced as if though heaven had lost. How strong is that? Let me read it again. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross, darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. And you know, it had to really seem that way. 
And again, I am, I am convinced that even darkness and the grave really had the joke pulled on them. I told you this morning, I was in the shower this morning. Boy, you're hearing all things about me today. You know, <laughs> aren't you glad no, I took a shower? But anyway, no, really, I'm in the shower this morning, and this thought comes to me, you know. You know, on the cross, in fact, that last slide, the last song said, it is finished. So Jesus cries out, it is finished. And did you know that that death in the grave and Satan are hard of hearing? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, they thought he said, I am finished. Oops, bad mistake, because he wasn't. Amen? He was not finished. In fact, he was just beginning. But what you need to understand to really appreciate the story of Easter is that no one expected him to arise from the dead. I know several times, I mean, do you remember this is a big story? You know, several times as he walked with the 12 men that he called his apostles, his disciples, his closest followers, you know, he would say, now look, you need to understand something. We're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'm going to get back up again. I mean, he said like three times. And they, it was so shocking, so different from what they planned, they just did not get it. No one expected Jesus Christ, once he died that day, when he cried out, he was finished and breathed his last breath, everyone thought it was game over. That it was the end. You know, when Joseph Arimathea claimed the body, he prepared it as if it was going to stay in the grave. When Martha and Mary showed up at the tomb on Sunday morning early, they brought with them spices because they thought they were going to embalm the body of Jesus Christ. No one expected Jesus Christ to get up. It really seemed like game over. It seemed like darkness had won. Have you ever had times like that? When it seems like Darkness always wins. It seems like it's game over. It's done. It's finished. It's hopeless. Isn't there sometimes in life it seems that way? It may, it may take the appearance of your husband says, found another girl. Game over. Your wife says, found another guy. Game over. Tragedy strikes and you lose someone very close to you, a loved one, a child, or your spouse. Game over. You, you've worked for a company for 15, 20, 30 years. You've given your life to them and loyalty to them. And all of a sudden, they walk in with a pink slip saying, game over. Sometimes it really seems hopeless. In fact, have you ever looked up the word hopeless? This definition is so depressing, you almost need therapy after you read it. It's kind of like watching the evening news. I mean, you know, time you, I love evening news. They give you all this junk for 25 minutes, and then at the end, ABC does this, 25 minutes of nothing but bad news, bad news, bad news, and then they give you some story at the end to make you feel good. Uh, here's an idea. Why don't you give it 25 minutes of good stuff and five minutes of bad at the end? That would be a game changer. Amen? That would be a game changer. So anyway, so anyway, here's the definition of hopeless. Get ready for your therapy. Here it is. Hopeless means, and this is from Webster, Having no expectation of good or success. Not susceptible to remedy or cure. Incapable, this is a hard one, incapable of redemption or improvement. Giving no reason to expect good or success. Giving no ground for hope. Desperate, incapable of solution, management, or accomplishment. Hopeless. Hopeless. And some of you have been there. I've been there. There were times you wake up in the morning and the world is just dark. A circumstance changes like that. And your world changes 
forever. I know, I know for a guy named Bart Millard, that was not, you know, not only did he, was he there, that was his life. And you say, well, who is Bart Millard? Well, let me show you his story. So, Nancy, would you lay out the deal, please? It's an amazing song. Just kind of happened. Took about 10 minutes, I guess. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. Took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Where's Mama? She's gone. She don't want me no more. And she don't want you neither. And I've always loved music. And I found some songs that I just, I held on to. They gave me hope. Mercy me, that can't be his real voice. Because I needed it. Dad, I can do this. No, you can't. And you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to realize that life has gotten you nowhere because you chased some stupid dream. I can I'm leaving. Shit. I want you to know that I pray for you all the time. And I hope that you find whatever it is that you're looking for out there. What are you running from? My dad. Been right about. Let that pain become your inspiration. I have some stuff I need to sort out. And I deal with it the only way I know how. And that's to write a song. You hungry? I uh, set the table. What is this? I want to make things right. You and me. My dad was a monster. And I saw God transform him. You have a gift. Real gift. I didn't think that God could do that. So I wrote this song for my dad. Now, still showing in theaters, and of course, it's the life story of the guy who wrote, um, I can only imagine, Bart Millard, and, and again, his life was so difficult. Did you grab it? He was raised with an abusive father, both physically and emotionally. Um, he called his dad a monster, and some of you can really identify with that. Not really played too heavily in the film is, but you saw it. His mom walked out on him. His mom abandoned him, left him with that. Of course, she was being abused herself, please, in, that, in her defense there. She had all, had all she could take, and she just left. So abandoned by a mom. Dad's a monster. When he break, tries to break into this music career, he's, he hears that he's worthless, that he will never be a success. That was his world. And you hear in the film, in the trailer there, what it's all about. That there's a story of redemption at the end. That God takes the dad, who Bart describes as a monster, and radically changes his life. God begins working in in Bart's life to allow him to forgive his father of all the sins that he had committed against his son. It's an amazing thing. And that's the power of Easter. Because Easter is what we celebrate really is a holiday of hope. 
of hope. I'm going to say this, and again, no pun intended, but can you imagine a world without Easter? Yes, you can. Because some of you are living there right now. Some of you wake up every day, and there's a, there's a life that you face that's so difficult and so hard. Every day seems hopeless. You know, Paul wrote about this, and Paul was one of the gospel writers that, that God used to write like, like two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a Jesus hater who became a Jesus lover. He met Jesus, and Jesus radically changed his life. But at that point, he did everything he could to destroy Christians, put them in jail, and had them executed. And then he met Jesus, and it radically changed his life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul begins describing what would it be like if, if Jesus had never come back to life. You know, he says this. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. In other words, if Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave, this thing we call faith would be worthless. The worst part, though, is that our sins would not be forgiven. You know, I would never, never, never underplay this. You know I point to this cross almost every time I preach. This is huge. We sang about this cross this week. So I'm starting to underplay the cross in any way. But it's really a tragedy in the Christian church is that we, we, we way underplay the resurrection. John Elridge, and he wrote several books, A Wild at Heart being one of them. Um, but he wrote several books. But he wrote a devotional and hits the nail right on the head. He said, compared to the cross... To Good Friday, resurrection is like the extra point after a touchdown. It's like the medal ceremony um, in the Olympics. It's like the epilogue in a book. But you can read from what Paul said that the resurrection is far more than that. I'm not saying it exceeds the cross, but I'm saying it's time that the church recognize the power of the resurrection. We celebrate the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that is meaningful if Jesus Christ was just a mere man who died and stayed in the grave. The proof that Jesus Christ is who he was, who said he was, is the fact that he defeated death on the third day. He got up. He got up. And that changes literally everything. Paul goes on and says, and if Christ has not been raised from your, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. He says this. He says, those then who have died in Christ have also perished. Remember when the preacher stood up one day at a funeral and said, your grandma was in heaven and you could see her again if you believed in Jesus Christ and that gave you hope? Paul says that grandma perished if Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave. So we're still in our sins. Grandma's gone. And then in verse 19 says this, And if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Paul says that, that if our hope is only in this life, that there is no resurrection, we should be most pitied among all men. Why? Because the joke's on us. That means all of this is fake. I love what Matt said last week. Matt Oshel spoke here. And, and he said, you know, when God makes a big announcement, there's always a but there. Well, listen to this. Verse 20 says this. But as it is, but the truth is, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. We don't have to worry about a life without hope. We don't have to wonder what life would be without, without 
hope. We don't have to worry about being still in our sins and worthless faith. We don't worry about have to worry about if grandma who believed in Jesus is hold, being held by God in place and we can go see her again. We don't have to worry about being pitied because the truth is Jesus Christ arose again on the third day. You know, I've said this throughout the series, you know, this one we've been preaching called In Christ Alone. I've said this several times, and it's a good time to say it this morning. Here you are in this room, and we're, again, just a packed house. Churches around America are packed. And here's the deal. There is no reason we should be doing this. No logical reason why we should be doing this. Do you understand? We are celebrating today the resurrection of a peasant Jewish carpenter from the bad part of town. We should know nothing about him, and yet we know more about him than any other leader in the last 2,000 years and beyond. And the reason why is, is because he is the Son of God. He did die on Good Friday. They did put him in a tomb, and on the third day, he did resurrect. He is who he said he was, and he did what he said he was going to do. He lives today. He lives today. That is so powerful. It really means something. I mean, you watch the Discovery Channel and the History Channel, and they'll run these things. Oh, they think they found the, the sarcophagus of a, of a guy named Jesus, okay? And it turns out to be nothing. It turns out to be fraud. I mean, there's a reason why you can go see the tomb of St. Paul, who only died just a little bit after Jesus. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus, which you recently went to, it is empty. And it's empty for a reason. The reason why is he's alive. He's alive. That's what we celebrate today. There is so much proof for the resurrection. It's not like a hope so feel good, hope is true thing. It is the real deal. Jesus Christ lives. You know, I told you that these guys who followed Jesus, there were 12 of them. One Judas, I mean, how do you walk with Jesus for three years and totally miss it? Well, Judas did. I mean, he betrayed him, yes, but he never got the Jesus part. He never did. In other words, I'm trying to tell you, he never believed in Jesus. But 11 of them did. 11 of them did. And far more than that. But the closest followers followed him. I mean, and yes, they did not believe he was going to resurrect. But on the third day, and later the days following, 40 days after that, before he ascended back to heaven, they saw him. They saw him. And listen, men will die for the truth. But men won't die for a lie. Eleven of them, ten of them suffered martyr deaths. Ten of them died for the cause of Jesus Christ. And John the Apostle, being the eleventh, spent his life in exile. The greatest truth, the greatest support for the resurrection are these guys' lives. They're so recorded in the Word of God, which, by the way, also has stood the test of time for 2,000 years and beyond. There's not a Bible 2.0 because God got it right the first time. And it tells the story of Jesus and it tells these guys' story. Now, now in Acts chapter 2, and, and this is like, you know, just oh, oh probably 40 days after Jesus Christ died and was resurrected. So it's a short time, okay? Peter is talking to a bunch of people, all right? Here's what he says. He says, though he was delivered up, Jesus was delivered up, delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. In other words, what happened was not a plan gone bad, that God planned this. 
Well, Dwayne, why would God plan this? Because the wages, the payment for sin was death. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the sin debt for us on a Roman cross. The payment for sin was death. So he planned Easter, all right, so that we could have forgiveness of sins. So, so though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, he now looks at the Jewish people standing in front of him and goes, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. This is the craziest thing. The very people that saw Jesus Christ, you know, heal people, raise from the dead, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, on that, on that Thursday, cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Let Barabbas go, the murderer go, crucify this Jesus. How crazy is that? You use lawless men, use the Romans to nail him to a cross and kill him. But God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. How about that? That's just amazing. It was impossible for Jesus to be, to be held by the power of death. And here is the crux. In verse 32, Peter says, God has raised this Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. Peter's saying this. Peter said, hey, listen, it's only been 40 days. I can take you back to the hill where he died, and I can take you back and show you the tomb of Joseph where they put him. Let's go back. Let's go to the cemetery together. Let's go back there, and I'm going to show you that the stone is rolled back. We'll go in there together, and here's what you're going to see, an empty tomb. This, was not, this is not like years after Jesus Christ resurrected. This was days after Jesus Christ resurrected. And Peter says, we are witnesses of this. We have seen this. Later, speaking to another group of people, here goes Peter again. In chapter 3, verse 15 of Acts, he says, you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. I mean, they said this is something we saw. It's not something grandma told us about. It's not a mystical story that's been passed down through the ages. We witness this with our own eyes. And just a little bit later, in the same book of Acts, we see Peter and John standing before the religious leaders, okay? And they don't like what they're doing. They're telling everybody, Jesus is alive, he's alive, he's alive. And they don't like that. And here's what the religious leaders, here's what they tell the religious, religious leaders. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you or rather listen to God, you decide. Now listen, listen. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't keep quiet about it. We can't stop talking about it. And it's so interesting. Again, not, not downplaying the cross at all. But for the early church, for the first 400 years... You really don't see this as a symbol of Christianity. You know what you hear about? The empty tomb. The empty tomb. It was later on when Christian artists began painting pictures of the cross that this really took central stage. Again, not downplaying the cross. You know I love this symbol. But I'm telling you, at the early church, the thing they couldn't quit talking about was he's alive. And church, I will tell you this. 
It's time that on our lips we mention more and more and more and more the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He is alive. It was more than just a tragic death. It was a death plan before the foundation of the world for the purpose of paying for our sins. And he proved who he said he was by the fact on the third day he got up. He got up. And the boys just could not keep quiet about it. Now, Paul, the guy I told you about earlier, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10 says this. He said, my goal, Paul says, my goal is to know him and the power of of his resurrection. Paul said, I want to know this Jesus more and more. You don't need to know about religion. I mean, you know, I used to say it's kind of a little cute thing, you know. I would say a little cute saying, I'm Baptist born and Baptist bred, and when I'm gone, I'll be a Baptist dead. Okay, yeah, I'm a Baptist, but long and far more than being a Baptist, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Christ who bled and died and resurrected on the third day that I could have a rescue and redemption provided by God my Father. You know, and Paul said, I want, listen. Paul said, I want to know him more and more and more. I Listen, I, I'm not here to tell you you ought to go to church. I'm not here to tell you all become religious. I'm not here to tell you all become a Baptist. But man, let me tell you something. For me, it happened about 43 years ago. One day I met Jesus Christ and he radically changed my life. It has been an incredible ride. And this room is filled with people who have met and know Jesus Christ. And we want to know him more and more because we just can't get enough of him. Because of the truth. And the hope he brings. It was just three weeks ago. Just three weeks ago. We received word that there was a terrible car accident in Africa. And two missionaries that we had met more than once were killed in that accident. Two more who had been in this church and spoke to us were severely injured in that accident. And the amazing part is, the amazing part, from the, from the family of those two who died... You heard God is good. That God is in control. That God is sovereign. That God has a plan. And from the lips of the two, from the lips of the, Now, these folks are serving in hard Africa. We're not talking about easy Africa. We're talking about hard Africa. Deep, dark Africa. And from those two that were injured, you hear our God is great. Our God is good. We may not understand why this happened, but we know our God is in control. We know our God can be trusted. That's the power of the gospel lived out in men and women's lives. I'm telling you, Paul said, I want to know him. I want more of this. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. You know, there's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 7. I'll just tell you the story. It's a great story. One day Jesus was walking along a road. And as he walks along, something happened that happens to you probably once or twice a month. And what happens is he runs smack dab into a funeral procession. This is recorded in Luke chapter 7. And so he runs into this funeral procession. And we do that. You're going down the road and you see the flashing wigwag lights of a hearse, of a lead car. And you see a bunch of cars behind them. And you see lights on. You realize, oh, someone's died. A funeral procession is coming forward. That's exactly what happened then. He runs smack dab into this. Okay? And these worlds collide. These worlds run together. This was a normal day. Well, can you imagine normal for Jesus? Let's, let's go heal somebody today. Let's open some blind eyes. Let's raise somebody from the dead. Whatever normal was for Jesus. But here's a sense of normalcy. And here's a group of people whose life was ripped from normalcy. Maybe you. 
Again, maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a broken career. Maybe it's lost dreams. But your world is anything but normal today. And these worlds collide. And let me tell you something. When faith meets fear, when light meets darkness, when life meets death, things change. And the Bible story is that Jesus stops the procession. He looks at the widow who, well, first off, once she was a widow, she lost her husband, and now her only son is laying in the coffin. Widow, only son. He looks at her and says, don't weep. Don't weep. Either that's incredibly insensitive or incredibly powerful. So after he says, don't weep, he walks over to the coffin, touches the coffin, which again, we see this all the time. I touch the coffin when I go to the funeral sometimes. I'll reach over and place my hand. But for the Jewish people, that was like way not cool. It made them unclean for them to touch this. So he touches the coffin and he speaks to the dead man. Now, I see this all the time. Some of the most beautiful things I've ever heard spoken that are intimate and personal are at coffins, at caskets. When people are saying the last goodbye to their loved ones. So I heard some beautiful things. But what Jesus says is incredible. Again, just really emphasizes the hope and power of the gospel. And so he looks there at that dead man and says, Dead man, I say to you, get up. Get up. Now, if I were to say that, nothing would happen. When Jesus says that, something happens. So the Bible says that the dead man sat up. Now, that will stop a funeral service. That will stop a funeral service. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus reaches, takes him by the hand, and gives him back to his mother. That's the power of the gospel. That's why Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And that is the power that God wants to give you today. Religion can't do it. Church can't do it. Starting over can't do it. New habits can't do it. But the power of Jesus Christ can. There's a great scripture I'll close with in Ephesians chapter 2. It really, it's just great. Again, now, now keep in mind, Ephesians was a letter written by Paul to a place called Ephesus. I just saw, by the way, I just saw a special in Ephesus. It's a real place. The ruins are still there today. So Paul uh, from Rome is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, to, to the people there. And part of that letter, he says this, but God, <laughs> but God again, but God who is rich and mercy and because of his great love that he had for us. So whatever's fixing to happen, Paul says it's because of his rich mercy. Y'all know what mercy is? The best way to describe mercy, especially pertaining to God, is unmerited kindness. In other words, it's a kindness extended that we don't deserve. You've had some people in your life that you may have had the opportunity to extend kindness to, and boy, they did not deserve it. They were unkind to you, they were mean to you, they were harsh to you, and you chose, rather than being mean back, you chose to extend kindness. That's a small picture. Small picture. So, so because of his rich kindness, his rich mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, well, how much? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He scheduled Christmas and Easter for us, okay? Because of that great love they had for us, he's made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. Well, that sounds awful religious. Can you break that down? Sure I can. The Bible says because of our sin, we're separated from God. We're spiritually dead. And because of Jesus Christ and what he did, Jesus Christ can cause us to become not spiritually dead, but spiritually alive, a type of resurrection. When we tell God that we, one, we know we're sinners, 
and we just turn, we decide to turn from that sin and choose to follow Jesus, repent, that's called repentance. When we do that and accept his forgiveness, then we become alive. We're able to call God Father. In fact, we're able to call him, this is really cool, we're able to call him Abba Father, which means dearest daddy. How about that, huh? Not only is God just not this, woo, out there, I don't want anything to do with you. He becomes our dearest father. How incredible is that? He caused us to become alive. And then Paul says something. He goes, this is all because of grace. Not because we did a certain tap dance for God. And he goes, you're in. Not because we went to church five weeks in a row. You're in. Not because you had dunked in some water. You're in. Uh-uh. By grace. Unmerited favor. God extends his kindness, his grace, and his love toward us, even though we don't deserve it. You go, wait, 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 Dwayne. You don't know what I've done. How about the movie? How about a daddy who so verbally abused his son? What about a daddy who beat his son with a belt to his back bled? What about a daddy who took a plate and just busted it over his son's head? That all happened in Bart Miller's life. And God reaches down from heaven and radically changes this monster into a daddy. That's the power of the gospel. Look at me. I don't care what you've done. God's grace is sufficient. I don't care how far down the road you've gone. God's grace is sufficient. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. I am telling you the truth today. What religion and what good works and what the world and all the therapy in the world cannot do, Jesus Christ can and will do for you today if you'll trust him. It's power. You are saved by grace. And I love this. And I hope I can just give you a a glimpse of what it means. In verse 6 of Ephesians, it says, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, so somewhere beyond this, In the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let me kind of break that down for you. What he's saying is this. That after this life, there's another life. And those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, that life is in heaven. And then God is going to put us on display as trophies of his grace and show us his kindness... For the ages to come. Let me read it to you again. So that in the ages to come, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know how much God loves you? Get ready. You know how much God loves you? It's going to take him forever to show his kindness to you. Someone needs to say amen. See, see, some of y'all think, I'm just getting in by the skin of my teeth. I am certain God wakes up every day if he wakes up and goes, I shouldn't have let that one in. Black sheep of the family. Where did you get that? You didn't find it in the Bible. Did your mama tell you that? Did some therapist tell you that? God loves you. When you become his child, he loves you, and he never stops loving you, and he can't wait to show his kindness to you for all eternity. When, when Bart's daddy finally got to heaven, he wasn't welcomed as a second-class citizen. The angels celebrated his welcome. In fact, greatly celebrated his redemption when it happened. You are not beyond God's grace. And it's all because of the power 
of Easter. It's all because of the hope of Easter. You remember the song I quoted that you're fixing to sing in just a moment? Let me read to you just a couple of verses from it. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. And it goes on. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love, your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. We are free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free, forever. Amen. When death was arrested and my life began. Wow. That's it. That's it. It's just not a bunch of rule keeping. It's not a bunch of pretending that we are what we're not. It's life. It's real. It's the deal. And today, God is saying, I would love for you to become one of my children. That's the gospel message. And you become one of his children again by, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. But I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross for me and that he resurrected on the third day. I'm asking you to forgive my sins. I turn from that and choose to follow your son, Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved, will be forgiven. And that's our invitation today. Every service we end. First off, we should celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. And every Sunday should include an invitation for people to come to know Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and this makes sense somehow to you. I know it's a huge crowd. You're going, ain't no way I'm walking out in front of 500 people. Ain't going to happen. I get that. But if God is talking to your heart. If, if you're feeling something right now and going, this is what I've been looking for. This finally makes sense to me. My friend Brent will be standing down front. We would love for you to come down and say, Hey, Brent, I want to know more about how this Jesus can be my Jesus. And we'd be glad to share that with you. And here's the good news. It doesn't have to happen here. I'll be back at the back door. Brent will be running around, setting chairs up and all that stuff. Just grab somebody and go, Hey, I want to know more about this Jesus. And, man, we will stop what we're doing, and we'll share with you today. Because the hope of Easter is too good to miss. Ask Bart Miller. Ask his dad. Ask someone you know who knows Jesus. It's too good to miss. Would you bow your heads, please? Thanks for letting me share with you today. It really is good news. It really is. My friend Brent will be standing down front. If we can help you in any way to come to know Jesus, that's why we're doing what we're doing today. And again, if we can grab you after church, just feel free. Just feel free. We want you to know Jesus more than anything. So God, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing this great news, the gospel. I pray, Father, that there's someone here today and they're they're just enveloped with hopelessness. Life has not turned out like they expected. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. They've been knocked down. And you desire so much to come and love them and pick them up through your son, Jesus Christ. I know Satan will whisper in their ear and say they're beyond hope, but they are not. They are not. Your grace is sufficient today. So we pray, Father, that your, through the Holy Spirit, will call people to your son, Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd ask you to stand to your feet. This is our decision.